This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Hey everybody, we're back. Finally, we took a day off. It's the Forever Mighty Post Game Show. Just Patrick and Jason tonight. What's how's it going, my friend? Oh, doing so good. How you doing, brother? Me too, man. It was just a, a crazy game to watch. I'm just so excited every time the Ducks lose, and I get to go spend an hour <laughs> talking about it after I spent two hours researching it. And uh, boy, oh boy, man, we have a, we have quite a bit to unpack. I feel like in this five-two loss to the Nashville Predators. Of course, everybody knows me. I'm the pessimist of the show, but mm-hmm. uh, I love my team dearly. But man, they like to break my heart time and time again. Um, we're 25 games into the season, bud, and uh, we're still in the thick of the damn playoff race. <laughs> oh, shocker. I mean, just the, a lack of, uh, I guess, anyone trying to take over the Pacific Division. I mean, uh, it seems like, you know, one week it's one team trying really hard and everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they fall off and uh, it's just the same cycle over and over. And we're, we're well over a quarter of the way through the season now for almost every team in the Pacific. So, who knows? That's 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 a that's a beauty of what we got looking forward to is just who the hell knows what the hell is going to happen at this point. I, I can't believe it. Looking at uh, the standings to see how just putrid the Pacific Division is. I mean, but good for the Ducks. I mean, if, uh, if the key here is to not tank and make the playoffs, they still have a, a very big chance for that. Um, <sighs> looking at tonight's game, I got a few pregame notes. Again, we're missing Eddie tonight. Uh, school is far more important, so he decided mm-hmm. to take the night off. And uh, Good job, Edward. Yeah, good job, buddy. Get those straight A's, my friend, um, or whatever they call them for. in Canada. I don't maybe are they, <laughs> When they give them A's, are they E-H's? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, e- yeah, he got E-H plus. You get an A minus. plus or an A, a- minus. A? <laughs> Man, we're lame. We're so lame. Yes, we are. Dad jokes are plenty on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so pregame notes, let's break down uh, what happened here. But a uh, little bit of um, shuffling, as Carlisle and Bob Murray like to do. Mm-hmm. Andy Walensky and Andre Schuster get called up. Josh Mahura sent down. I have no idea why. Maybe if someone wants to pop in chat and let me know, that'd be great. That'd be fabulous. Um, yeah, no, it, it was weird. Mahura looked great in the the few games that he played. Uh, very few mistakes, uh, you know, somewhat sheltered minutes. But uh, you kind of look at, you know, new players coming up and especially defensemen. 
uh, are they making the right plays or, or are they, you know, are they panicking or they, are they just, you know, throwing it around or doing whatever. He, he made a lot of good plays uh, in the, the games I saw him play. So I, I feel this is more of a, a shuffling thing where they, they like what they saw. They wanted to get a look at him. Now they're going to send him back down, bring up the, the more veteran uh, using quotation marks here uh, to, to, you know, solidify the Ducks, like you said, are in you know a playoff spot. They're they're somehow relevant right now in the playoff picture, so they're not as desperate to I have have I guess the players that are going to impact games. Like I think Mahura would be a better fit than either one of those two guys. Uh, but I, I think they you know they're doing whatever they want to do at this point. Uh, you know, they, who knows. <laughs> I mean, still no Brandon, or oh, excuse me, still no Hampus Lindholm, still no Cam Fowler. So obviously those are uh, huge holes in the Ducks lineup. They got to fill mm-hmm. them with somebody, but yeah, you got to bring up a, a Schuster. Why? Like I don't, I don't, I don't understand the the point behind that. But uh, Gibby Annette, which is always good against Pecorine. Pecorine having a hell of a season so far. I don't know what it is that guy does, um, but I think he, I think the broadcast said he had a nine four four save percentage, which is yeah. unreal for him. Yeah, I mean that, that's insane. The dude uh, was thirty-five year old. Thirty-five uh, year old last year wins the Vesna for the first time in his career. Comes out this year has a Vesna winning, or, or you know, a Vesna uh, worthy uh, uh, campaign right now. And uh, we were talking even you know in the off season too about Saros being signed for so little for so long and how good he was going to look. That uh, you know is spelling the the beginning of the end. But uh, but you. You can't take away from what uh, Rene's doing because he's just he's he's finally kind of hitting his stride. He's always kind of been there, but he's always been injured. But now he's been uh, just off the charts. It's unreal, man. I yeah. I don't know how he's keeping it up. He's thirty six, if I if I remember 30, correctly. Yeah, thirty six now, yeah. and they're and they're talking about an extension for this guy. So just they already to did show it. You. They they already got him one. That's right. So yeah, for like two years, I think something like that. I mean, Gibby's not far behind with a nine three five, not not having a, a sh- you know too shabby of a season as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting into this game, man, in the first period, you got to start breaking this down. Shots seem pretty even, chances pretty even. Somewhat of a boring first half. Um, Ducks get two power play advantages though, and just I don't know what it is about this power play, but they. I mean, I know they get a goal tonight, but honestly, watching these two first power plays, it, it was just. Like, what is going on here? There's no speed in the entry. They can't get anything set up. Um, they fail at both miserably. Uh, I don't know what's going on. Have you seen anything as to a change, Jay, as when it, when it comes to how the power play has been looking? Because I feel like they just try to do the same thing over and over again, but they have no luck. They have two different lines, and they do two different things. So the top line that boasts, you know, Getzloff and the, the Raquel, um, we'll always kind of try and come in with a little bit of speed and then, you know, throw it back to a guy. And then that guy who comes back in then literally makes the defenders have to decide whether or not they're going to challenge, hold the blue line. And then that player can either make a pass, chip it off or, or skate it or handle it in. And that kind of gives them a lot of um, uh, uh, quick entrances to at least be there. The, the second one, it, they, they don't really do that. They, they kind of throw it in. They try and chase it down. They kind of do the traditional one where there's not as much skill on there. Throw it in. Try and get it back if you can. It's tough to do that against a, a goaltender like Rena who will stop or play the puck. But it, it's been so inconsistent, and I've said this a lot this year, that Ducks 
inconsistencies is just what bugs the hell out of me watching this team. I've seen them play good. I know the talent they have. I know how they can play well. And I guess that's what makes it more frustrating to watch a power play just be so dismal when you know they have the talent, you've seen them do well, and then they just don't execute it the right way. And then it's just a waste of two minutes that just helps the other team out. Yeah, and it just goes to show you that they could have used at least a goal there. Uh, the Preds end up getting a goal shortly after the Ducks' power plays expired. Austin Watson, Ducks lose the draw on the def- on the defensive zone, gets stuck just looking around. Watson sneaks in behind and cracks home a rebound. He had two chances at the rebound. No, yeah. no chance for Gibson. He's sprawling to make a save there. Schuster out there. Um, and I think he was paired with Montour tonight. <laughs> Wasn't Schuster paired with Montour most of the night tonight? I think that's what I saw, which I was very surprised by. He was. Yeah. He had about nine minutes uh, total with Brandon Montour. So I know that uh, Schuster was out there for that goal. And just no chance for John Gibson. The Predators come away with a one nothing lead. Yeah, you hope uh, you know. You hope on the initial shot, Gibson could either put it in a, a better spot or hold on to it. But at the same time, uh, it's, it's a little rough when it's right off the draw, and, and it's tough for a goalie to go from where the faceoff is to where the shot is coming from, and who's open. Where's the you know where are the extra people? Unfortunately, every round kind of goes right to a person <laughs> on the other team. And so you're, you're a little kind of down and out. You, you start swimming a little bit. I, I can't blame him too much on it. Yeah, you, It's one of those plays where you hope it goes right, but you're not surprised if it goes wrong. And, uh, you know, kudos to him. I mean, the first shot missed. He, he almost gets over for the second one, but Watson's able to kind of crack that second opportunity home. Yeah, not much he could do there. And, you know, the rest of the period would kind of go – the same way for the Preds. They would just get chance after chance after chance. Hartman Please. actually puts one through Gibson's legs, and it goes wide. Uh, just a dangerous play there. He was all over the ice tonight in, in you know in the scrums. We'll get more to that here in a minute. But yeah. uh, Hartman making his presence <laughs> known. Preds consistently just controlling the play. Uh, they go to the power play with Silverberg, who's pretty much just been uh, snake-bitten for the past several games. He came in hot this year, takes the penalty. Gibby keeps the Ducks in it. Um, to, if you don't know anything else for the first period, man, I just want to make note. At one point, the shots were six six, and then with four minutes to go, there were thirteen to six predators. Kind of shows you how the ice, how the ice pretty much tilted in favor of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, back to uh, you know Silverberg kind of being snake bitten a little bit. He, he was so hot in the season, ended up getting an injury, and then ever since then, he, he's come back. He's he's shown glimpses, but. It's almost like the old Silverberg where it's like, oh, man, he's this close to breaking through but just doesn't do it. And that wasn't what you saw in the beginning of the season. It was just Silverberg breaking through and, you know, at one point leading the Ducks in goals early on. So the Ducks need the consistency on all different types of lines. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, to go, you know, be 6-6 six and six and then, you know, just kind of get dominated and take wave after wave, it's Unfortunately, it's just kind of the way the Ducks have played this season. You, you hope they snap out of it, but it's just inconsistency from game to game, shift to shift. Uh, you know, the first 10 minutes, pretty even. Last 10 minutes, they pretty much are just on their heels again, and it's rough to watch. Well, they're lucky to get out of the first period only down one. Going into the second period, Ducks with another early power play, and as I was bashing them in the first period, they actually come mm-hmm. out and bury one here. Uncle Rico, Adam Henriquez are burying it from the slot on a nice feed from Raquel. Just snaps it by Rene. Finally, we get a power play goal, and it's all tied up at one. 
Uncle Rico, do you think a lot of people know that reference or no? No, they don't. Uh, I don't no. think anyone do really watches it? Napoleon Dynamite. Ah, uh, okay, you do know. Yeah. It. Okay. <laughs> no, no For those one of you who haven't movie. seen it, Napoleon Dynamite is where <laughs> Uncle Rico comes from. It's kind of worth it just to watch that, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it was it was great. Uh, not only that, uh, you know, uh, Henrique scores. And something we didn't uh, mention early on, this was the first ever uh, mom's trip for uh, the Ducks players. So they had a nice little shot up there of all the moms in the uh, suite. Uh, they've always done, you know, a father's trip, a sibling's trip. And they've done multiple of those, but they've never done a mom's trip. So it was kind of nice to uh, get that goal and watch uh, all the moms up in the uh, the suite just kind of go nuts a little bit. It was a good goal by, by Henrique. It was a great feed by Raquel. Uh, you know, kind of. Once again, it, you know, it wasn't it was an overwhelming power play, but it's just a lot of things kind of ended up going right at the right moment that resulted in a goal. No, it works out for the Ducks there, but then they take a really late, lackadaisical entry into the zone by Raquel. He kind of loses the puck here a few minutes after that goal. Preds turn it around, walking in all alone, really off the circle was Nick Benino, and yeah. my God, what a shot on John Gibson! Mm. He goes top corner over the shoulder. Gibby, I felt like, was lined up perfectly for that, but uh, just a perfect shot by Bonino. Now it's 2-1 Predators. Yeah, I wouldn't put too much of a, a lazy spin on what Raquel did. There was a little bit of a back check on him, and at the same time, right before he went over, he, he had his head up, and uh, there was a player, and I want to say it was Kasha. Someone was already off sides, and he kind of realized it, and so he could have done one of two things. He could either dumped it in, or he could have tried to trail back, and it seemed kind of he was stuck in between his decision, and that's when his stick kind of got lifted or the, the puck kind of got scooted out by the back checker and kind of sent it the other way. And then, like you said, Benino came in, and Gibby, yeah, he was fine. There was a defenseman that had changed and had come on, but there was just Benino on the left side and two Ducks uh, defenders in the middle with no opportunity for a pass. So Gibby came out early, challenged, set up, figured out where that shot was going to go, and Benino just freaking pinpointed that shot. There's, you know, you, you hope, I think on that one, maybe Gibson, you hope his glove is more open, a little bit higher, kind of like uh, um, Rene does, where he kind of holds the glove high and in an open position. And Gibson kind of had a little bit lower, but at the same time, that was just pinpointed. It was a hard shot. It was quick. And kudos. I mean, that was just a good shot. And you, you hope, you know, Gibson gets it. But at the same time, once again, you're not really surprised if, if a shot like that goes in. You just tip your cap and say, good shot. Exactly. Now, let's talk about the meat of this period in between goals. There was a lot going on <laughs> in between, between penalties and power plays. But first, it all kind of started with Cali Kosla going through the neutral zone, getting blown up in the middle of the ice with a neon knee by Matt Irwin. No penalty called here. I got to say, I'm not surprised, but I am surprised at the same time. I guess there's a duality there in my <laughs> yeah. answer because I, I know these things don't always get seen. And I am surprised at the same time, though, because the way this game was called, there were so many penalties that they missed the, the blatant knee. I, I, I don't get it, man. Uh, thankfully, Kossel would come back in this game. But how would you feel about that hit? Uh, I'm yeah, in the same boat. I think a lot of Ducks fans are at this point. It's like, um, what what has to happen before you know an obvious penalty gets called against uh, the the team you know hitting us? 
if yeah, I hate, 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 hate being that guy that says, if it was the other way, we totally would have gotten called. I don't want to be that guy. But at that point, that is so blatant. It's the guy with the puck. The guy gets his knee blown up by another knee. Nothing. Just nothing. They blew the whistle because the dude got hurt. But well, how'd he get hurt? Well, no one seems to know. Really didn't see that one. Must have been magic. So I, I, I'm blown away that that happened. Uh, and there was absolutely no penalty whatsoever. I, I, I don't get it at all. No, it was really odd. Those are usually seen, and it was the guy, the puck carrier. So you yeah. figured that that would be all eyes <laughs> on him. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what they were looking at, but you know, I mean, it's once again, it's just if it had been the other way around, not only would that have happened, there would have been you know an investigation. Cogliano would have been suspended four games, even though he wasn't on the ice. Oh, he is. No, he's getting called from the Department of Player Safety tonight. Uh, George Peros texted yeah, me and yeah. asked me if it was okay that he called him. I said, yeah, go ahead. No, I understand yeah, yeah, what you have to yeah, do. Yeah, 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 obviously. Yeah, he mean, let me know. He had to have done it. He let me know, for sure. <laughs> uh, moving along here in the second period, Getzloff takes a hooking call. Oh, wait, no, first, the funny one. Ah. Henrique goes to the box ah. for hooking. As oh, Forsberg God. is getting hooked under the armpits, he decides to just sit. So he literally goes from leg skating to legs out parallel out. in front of him. At, or horizontal, <laughs> and they said he he gets called instead of embellishment or dive. He gets called for holding the stick. So matching minors, whatever, everything's okay. I guess. And then Getzloff decides to hook the hands of Jaron Croak on a rush. So then the Predators get a power play. Then we no, go. I wouldn't have called that a hook. I might. Uh, yeah, it was something though. It definitely imp- impeded his progress with making a play for sure. For sure, for sure but so weird. On the ensuing power play, Manson goes to clear the puck, breaks his stick. The Predators basically have a three-on-two because Silverberg decides to go sit over by, I think it was Johansson or yep. Forsberg. I think it was Johansson, yeah, it was, right? Johansson, yeah. He, he shadowed him. And literally kept him out of the play, which yep. was – it turned out to be a good thing because the Preds didn't know what the hell to do with a three-on-two. <laughs> it was like you're playing practice mode on NHL 19. It's like you're just setting people up, and you're like, I want to play three-on-two for ten minutes. <laughs> but you got that other option where you go like, oh, that, that guy's got the right-handed shot. He's a good shooter. That's a guy we probably want to send the puck over to. You got this random ghost dude who just won't leave him alone. Literally, he's like, do anything you want, but I'm going to hug this guy for a while. And he didn't seem to move. He seemed to be okay with Silverberg out of the play. Um, yeah, it kind of worked out. I, th- I think it's a, a, you know, from a goalie standpoint, I'd actually almost prefer that than having just the random, I don't know if they're going to pass to that dude. And then I don't know if my dude's going to try and block it. I mean, uh, am I going to... Am I used to him, you know, poke checking or, you know, getting a stick in the way, you know? So I'd rather do a three, you know, honestly, a three on two on one half of the ice than do, uh, you know, a four on three, but your, your, your guy is missing his stick. That's a preference of mine. But Oh, yeah. Plus you have the backdoor play that's open and without that fourth guy, you can kind of see everybody. So that's probably yeah. good for Gibby. But moving along this power play Gibbsy Gibby absolutely robs the Preds on a one-timer mm-hmm. that was pretty much the only chance they would get there but then Kosala would go and trip Nick Benino now it's a five on three for the Preds for 24 seconds um <laughs> a chance comes through and hits Gibby and this is the best part of the period clearly Benino right in front of Gibby like on top of his crease I don't yeah. think he really nudged him, but he was close enough possibly to breeze him a little bit 
And Montour comes in after the whistle with a final shot, like in the upper <laughs> rib cage. Benito turns yeah. around and goes after him. Montour goes nuts. They end up like dragging each other to the ice. Getzloff is laughing as he holds Ryan Johansson. You know he's just thinking, there's no way you're dropping your gloves because I'd murder you. Yeah. And Kessler's face washing Yossi. And I think, meanwhile, Pedersen had another player who was trying to prevent him from going over and getting involved because he wanted to go after Kessler. So I think all hell's going to break loose. I'm getting excited for this game despite the score. Right. Go to the penalty box, and Montour is still barking at Benino. Um, so this is starting to rile everybody up. We're thinking like there's going to be some heat here. And then Manson goes after Hartman the next play. They exchange some shots because Hartman comes in and gives Manson a good two-handed whack in the corner. Manson doesn't like that. So then they go into this whole thing where Hartman, he's done this before in the league, where he's going to fake fight somebody. He's like, oh, I'm going to drop my gloves. He's done this before. He's gotten people to take yeah. punches at him, and he laughs about it. I know there's video of it. So he's notorious yeah. for this crap. Yeah. Manson drops his gloves, and then gets pissed because Hartman doesn't drop them. <laughs> Rag, I mean, literally rags him around the ice, which I thought yeah. was awesome. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was pretty. Funny. He wanted to kill him. He was so <laughs> he pissed about it. He went nuts. He gets a double minor for roughing, understandable. And then it was funny because uh -huh. Hartman's skating away, thinking he got away with nothing. And then he ends up getting it unsportsmanlike for the whole play, and he's pissed about getting uh -huh. a penalty. My favorite yeah. part about this dude is as much as we rag on the Ducks broadcast, Brian Hayward said there's a word for players like Hartman, and I can't <laughs> say it on national television. <laughs> yeah, no, there was that. and he had, he had another gem when he was talking about uh, the Johansson and that whole uh, scuffle, the, the play before. He goes, oh, yeah, gets us, got Johansson. You know he's not going to drop the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's kind of like laughingly, like, you know, he's got a history of not doing that. It so, was. Uh, it, I I thought that was great. What I love about that whole thing is that is literally soap opera for dudes. Like, I mean, if like if like you you you're someone who ends up like staying home and you you watch your soaps and you got your soaps and you want to watch that and the drama that unfolds in that that whole sequence for about four or five minutes in the hockey game was just. A hockey fans soap opera just watching oh did you see what that guy did oh my god but did you see what that person did to that one it just it was great it was awesome it was it was so much fun to watch especially just seeing the ducks get pissed i'm i'm it just i haven't seen i guess enough of that not that i want them to get so pissed or taking stupid penalties or anything but i felt their response in all the situations were were pretty appropriate Let's talk about this for a minute then, because the rest of the game after this period kind of goes downhill, so we can get to that in a second. But I want to ask you about how you feel along the lines of the fighting in the NHL and situations like this. I mean, did you really hope that would kind of boil over and this become a gong show? I would, but that's, that's more of my frustration watching how the Ducks are playing if you're a Nashville fan and you're watching this, you know, maybe you, you kind of want to see things go crazy. But Nashville's not a, a big fighter team. Um, you know, I guess to a certain extent, neither are the Ducks anymore. It's not what they used to be. So, I mean, it's it was it's two different teams and two different um, points in their season. I would love to have seen it as more of just a, a fan that, that's wanting to see my frustration through my players watch my players just maybe go go to town get some of that frustration out maybe get some com com uh, camaraderie together 
something like that. I just feel like a lot of those little plays, Monty getting pissed, who couldn't stop yelling, uh, you know, Manson kind of losing his S. I mean, I don't mind that from time to time, and I kind of thought that this was maybe an appropriate game to for that to kind of boil over and see where we come out the other side. Uh, it kind of died out after the second period, though. It really wasn't much. I, I, I would have liked to have seen it, but I guess not for the right reasons. <laughs> I'm with you, though. As much as I don't like to the planned fights, and I don't think like, like staged fighting belongs in the game, and I feel the goon role with hey i'm gonna go fight the other goon tonight and that's what i gotta do it's kind of it's it's kind of found its way out of my my love of hockey like i i used to love that stuff i mean i grew up watching Stu grimson uh when he was with the ducks and it was later in his career um guys like george peros i loved when he fought for the ducks like those kinds of things were fun but in situations like this i almost wish there was the tough guy on this team and and things kind of would boil over because i mean who doesn't like a good tilt one and two, I I hate to say it, man, but I, and I kind of sound maybe like an old dinosaur that I make fun of, but I, <laughs> I really wish somebody would have given Hartman what he deserved. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna dance around and, and, and slash and, and tag people and then kind of laugh and not drop your gloves, I mean, you kind of have it coming into you. So I kind of miss it in that instance. And look, I get it; it's in a a very small sample of a game, and maybe it's not necessary to, to you know knock the lights out of somebody. But to see it to see a tilt go right there would have been great, and I think it would have uh, would have riled everybody up, and that's part of the fun of hockey. Um, it's not a planned thing; it's out of frustration. So I mean, maybe I, maybe I'm an old guy for saying that, but uh, in that situation, I agree. I would have loved to seen it. Yeah, and, and I would say at the same time, I would have loved to seen someone stand up for Kostla, who uh, you know almost you know easily could have blown his knee out, and that could be a career ender. And uh, you know, no one really ever went after Matt Irwin after that. You know, there, there's no there's no repercussions for, you know, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of where it's uh, um, not radical. What is it? <laughs> I'm losing it. Uh, reckless, reckless plays. So, you know, there, there's, you know, if someone's going to fake, you know, fight you and then they don't. That's somewhat reckless in, in the fact that someone's, you know, thinking that, hey, we're going to get into fight him. I, I could literally injure you if you're not going to sit up there and fight. So I, I, I can see that. And, I, you know, it's it's definitely different. You're not going to get those guys anymore because as much as you'd love to have them in that game in that instant, you're going to hate them the other 95% of the time you see them play where they're not contributing in any other sort of fashion. No, it's true. But I mean, yeah. I mean, shoot, we've all been there with being angry playing sports. I know I have playing hockey, and I know you have too. And you kind of, it's good to have those. You know, you can get them out of you every once in a while. Um, I definitely don't agree with it. I'm not trying to say like, hey, you know, Costa went after or Costa uh, got hurt because one other guy went after one of ours. So now we go to try to take out uh, Forsberg. I don't like that. That kind of stuff no. I don't like. In the moment where you're going to go go beat the hell out of somebody for something, I'm all for it. But the whole hey, you took out one of our guys. We're going to go take out one of your guys. I've never been a fan of that. No, no, and that wasn't what I was saying. I was just saying, like, some sort some sort of repercussion for the, the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, like, so go like after Matt Irwin. did it, someone needs to either lay him out, someone needs to challenge him, say, hey, you can't do that. You have to answer to me now. That I agree with, because I, I've seen in the past, back, you know, when <laughs> this is going way back, but when, you know, Gary Suter cross-checked Paul Correa in the jaw, 
I no one. I don't think Gary Suter ever had another fight against the Ducks in the rest of his career, and he, he single-handedly kind of really kind of crippled Paul Correa's career just on a cheap shot. And it was just like one of those things where no one can answer that. And it's just like it, it's just the reckless plays. And if you're going to do something like that, even if there's not a penalty on it, the players in there know if it's reckless, and someone needs to you know he's got to answer the bell at that point. And that's that's what I was getting at. Not no, I'm with you there, man. I agree. Yeah, go after other players. So moving on to get, close out this period, I'm going to go through this pretty quickly here. Austin Watson, of course. Why wouldn't he get another goal in this game? Cruises in front of the net, pokes the puck at the same time. He kind of maybe clips Gibby's blocker, whether it was before or after. The Ducks call for goalie interference with the league to check it out. Gibby wanted the call. I didn't think it was a worthy call. I'm surprised the bench decided to call for it. The goal stands at this point, 3-1 to one Preds. Watson just cruised in front. I, he got the stick on it. I don't think Gibby was going to save it either way. No. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, I'm a goalie, and uh, obviously I would totally try and uh, <laughs> favor my opinion towards a goalie. Uh, it happened almost identically at the same time where he was trying to make the save, but I think that puck was either past him, had kind of hit him, but also hit Watson's stick as Watson's stick kind of hits his blocker. But it's so instantaneous that it didn't really prevent the goal from happening, in my opinion. So I'm kind of with the goal standing as it was. It was damn close. I can understand Gibson feeling like it happens because if you're looking to go make that save, then at the exact same moment, something hits your glove or blocker or whatever it is, your instant reaction is like, oh, that stopped me. I I should have been able to keep going. Otherwise, I would have got it. And that's just an initial reaction. I think if he he looks at the replay, he goes, yeah, that, that was probably going in. And it just happened to be at the exact same time we made contact. So I don't think it ever inhibited his ability to make the save. It just happened literally at the same moment. Yeah. Not much. He's going to be able to do there. Ducks are having an awful period. And just as I wrote that, the Ducks scored (laughs) Andre Kasha on the turnover caused by Marcus Pedersen along the wall. The, the, you know, the, the Preds got a little lazy, a little pass along the wall. They tried to deflect into the middle of the ice and uh, it was poked and rolled right to Andre Kasha. Who's, the broadcast said at one point in this, in this that he's had 30 shots on goal uh, since he's come back from injury. So he's killing it right now. He puts it right by the blocker side arena, and it was all of a sudden three to two. Yeah, and and that's uh, that's no easy task with how well arena uh, has been playing. But I mean that that period was kind of you know at least at that point the Ducks had mustered very many shots, and I kind of feel like almost like arena was kind of like any shot, not that shot, damn it. <laughs> and that's the one that goes in is like he was kind of left out to dry a little bit uh kasha the hot hand right now uh buries it it was it was a goodie and uh something that was really really needed given how that period had gone and uh going into the third you didn't really want to be down three one against uh a team like nashville so it was it was a good good little turnover and a blessed goal yeah, the Ducks definitely needed it, but unfortunately, you know, going into the third period, it wouldn't matter all that much because they weren't able to get much going. They were down just 3-2 to two going into the third period, and honestly, man, there was not a ton to talk about here. Uh, the Predators end up getting a goal on the power play. Kostler ends up coming back into the game. Trips Hartman, go figure, uh, goes to the box for two minutes. Craig Smith all alone in front of the net on a rebound as he's falling. Just is able to bury it, and then all of a sudden it's four to two Preds. Now I don't really can't blame Gibby on that either. Yeah, that one's a little rough. 
Uh, I mean, at this point, did you did you hope Kosla maybe just sat out the rest of the game? You know, hey, t- t- take a breather because all you're doing is taking penalties here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he didn't have a great game. No. Yeah, I mean, he, he was fine, and I love the way the fourth one has played for a while, but uh, after that hit, he came back. He, he ends up taking a couple of penalties. This one kind of hurts for sure. Uh, the fact that Craig Smith gets it, that's unfortunate. Gibby does leave out a rebound, and it goes, unfortunately, right to Craig Smith, and Craig Smith kind of falling, kind of shoots it, kind of goes in. It, it it just sucks all the way around. Just kind of one of those things that uh, seems to go against us and that never happens for us. <laughs> no. And they needed it. They needed that save, but they also didn't need to take that penalty. And, they, you know, they again would get several chances. It wasn't like the yeah. Ducks didn't get power plays. They were one for five tonight, uh, and the Preds were two for five. So calls were yeah. even across the board. I mean, Ducks fans, of course. I mean, we're all going to say we wish there were more calls our way. We saw penalties the refs didn't call. But, I mean, sure, national fans could say the same thing. At the end of the day, you have your chances <laughs> and you create your luck at a lot of these situations. The Ducks weren't able to put anything together here going in. And they, 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 the, the highlight of the rest of the period was Richie was denied in front by the Preds' defense. I don't even think it got through to Rene. But uh, that was one of the best chances the Ducks had in a long time. Uh, Richie also besides his goal on Friday, has been a non-factor since he's come back, since he held out and then got injured. Um, yeah. So just a number of players that are un- underperforming on this team. And then, of course, why not? Austin Watson would get the empty netter for the hat trick and a 5-2 to two win for the Nashville Predators. The Ducks dropped the game in Nashville. Yeah, uh, it's tough to beat the Nashville Predators when you can't muster up 20 shots against them. Uh, they're outshot 33 to 19. Uh, Nashville could put up far more shots, but once they were up 4-2 from about the 10-minute mark, I think they pretty much just locked it down. I don't think the Ducks had a shot on goal in at least the last nine or eight minutes of that game. So uh, you can be that far down, uh, and if you're not going to do anything to kind of get in there. I mean, kudos to the Predators. I mean, they play a great defensive game. And they they kind of really put the clamp down at the end once they kind of got out there. A little annoyed that the uh, convicted wife beater ends up getting a hat trick. And uh, Nashville fans are more than happy to tip their cap or throw their hat onto the ice for him. I didn't think you were going to talk about that. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of it, the way things go in sports, man. It's, it's unfortunate. But uh, yeah. it's the way it is. I mean, yeah, obviously. I'm to call it out. Wasn't too happy about that, but. It is what it is. I agree. Three goals. So 100%, man. 100%. You weren't the only one to talk about it either. I mean, so I appreciate that. But uh, (laughs) moving on to post game notes here interesting defensive line combos was the first thing that came to mind. I I never thought we would get to this position, being that uh, the Ducks had thought that they had everything figured out with their top four. And you're talking about Cam Fowler, Josh Manson, Brandon Montour, Hampus Lindholm. Um, injuries certainly play a factor, but we haven't seen the line combos of old, uh, and we still, I mean, rarely, maybe like, at, maybe they had like a, a mismatch line combo, an accident, and we got to see Hampus Lindholm playing with Josh Manson, but uh, tonight, poor Brandon Montour had to drag around Andre Schuster for nine minutes, um, five on five, about eight of those, so he also had time with uh, Jacob Larson, but I mean, I think it was Manson and Larson as well. I mean, did anything stand out to you on the defensive side of things? The Ducks just had mental lapses. I felt like the defense wasn't all that terrible. No, I didn't think so either. And they had, uh, oh, God, I'm going to butcher his name, Dachin. 
Yeah, Dotchin. Yep. Yeah, so so he came in. Um, he had a, a couple of good looks in the second, as far as he, he got fed the the pocket, kind of you know you know was unloading some shots. He's he's a right-handed shooter, which is kind of nice uh, to have him in there, and at least the, you know he, he's one that wants to kind of shoot. Uh, you know, he didn't have, he didn't play a whole lot of minutes, just, uh, you know, just under 14 minutes, but he wasn't a minus or anything like that. Montour did end up getting an assist on the power play goal. Uh, so that was good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, Manson was kind of, you know, our, our veteran, <laughs> if you can call him that. Cause I think he's like, what, mid, he's mid twenties somewhere in there. He's like 26 and, uh, or something. Yeah. Yeah, 26, 27, you know, he's, he's played a handful of years, and, and that's our veteran presence at this point. Uh, yeah, Schuster, everything was average on defense, um, but this was a team that has been building on we have a great defense and a good defense that can help out. Now you lose your top two guys, that gets really hard to do, but you start bringing in guys that aren't really going to factor in, like Schuster, um, and then kind of bring in, you know, rookies, uh, Dachin, and then, you know, leave out Mahura, you know, guys that you were contributing or at least a factor or at least were playing good. It, it, you're not really going to go very far. So it, it's kind of like uh, we say one thing, but we do another. Yeah, no, I agree. And looking at, at the defensive pairs, Brandon Montour was out there for the most, uh, you know, scoring chances for along with uh, Jacob Larson. So they were definitely the best defensive pair offensively. I guess you could put it like that. Um, they weren't too shabby either on the defensive side of the puck. So there was some there was some pretty, pretty good spots, I felt like, on D, considering the lineup. Um, obviously, the penalty kill was the end of the night for the Ducks. If you think about it, an empty netter and two power play goals, yeah, you look at it that way, the Ducks went 3-2, right? I mean, it's so easy to say that and mark things off, but at the end of the day, I felt like this lineup – got it done at even strength for the most part granted they couldn't get their, their offense churning the way they wanted to I mean, putting up four shots in a period is kind of unacceptable um they definitely have some work to do on the forward end of things still so i guess that kind of moves me into the next question uh troy terry just um got his streak broke of points he had 16 points in 11 games of the goals what up Bomb. He sucks. What a bomb. Couldn't score <laughs> on his most recent game. I think it was tonight. So his streak's over with. And uh, you think he fits in in this lineup right now? Think that they make room for him and bring him up? I don't think they do bring him up, but uh, at least not right now. No, but here's here's the thing. is is uh, I feel like don't rush the kid right now. Right now. You know, as, as, as painful it is, as it is, and, you know, as much as we'd love to be leading the Pacific Division, we're not really out of it. We're still somewhat relevant within that whole mix, and it seems like this whole division is kind of up for grabs. It just depends what team is going to streak at the right time. Ducks are notorious for starting slow and then building as the season goes on. We haven't dug ourselves a hole. So, I mean, at this point, even though we're not playing great hockey – uh, let him stay down there, develop, and I just hate to see us rush too many forwards and try and jump him into the lineup. You know, if we have to due to injury, that's another issue. But the fact that a majority of our players are forwards that are, are coming back or someone healthy and can contribute at least in some way 
it's going to be tough beating a national team. It's going to be tough beating, you know, a, a Toronto team. It's it's going to be tough beating the, the upper echelon teams for sure. But at this time, if if we're not necessarily beating those teams, but we're not necessarily losing ground within the division, let those kids simmer in there, get a little bit more confidence, build up. I just hate to see, well, let's rush them in here like Nick Ritchie and, and see what Nick Ritchie can do. Uh, go. And then just, you know, oh, they're doing great in the AHL, but uh, now we need to throw them in and, and see what they can do. I just, I, I kind of am a little bit more hesitant to to run him back in there if he's not going to get supreme opportunity. And, um, you know, other than that, you know, just, just let him let him be a top guy in the AHL for a while and, and see where he can be maybe next year. And unless, you know, injuries happen or, you know, he, he plays so so unbelievably over the competition that you have to give him a chance, maybe just let him go. But I, I don't really see him coming in unless there's an injury or things start going really south for the Ducks. So then how do we fix our top winger, Ricard Raquel? Do you, is there some sort of shuffle we have to do here? Meaning the Ducks... Can we get, can we get that Katie girl back? <laughs> oh, the one that sparked... <laughs> the 20, yeah, the 21st... Gave him the spark? Yeah, that, that seemed to really kind of make his season happen. I don't know. I don't know the answer to why Ricard Raquel seems to be uh, a little bit off. Uh, I know it's not from lack of effort uh, from uh, what I've heard. All accounts is that he's, he's staying later in practice. He's working harder on his shots. Eventually they have to start going in. Um, I mean, he did have a very nice setup for uh, Henrique. So he got an assist. He had the game winning goal against Edmonton. Uh, you know, it's just, it's something you hope he kind of clicks in. It just hasn't quite happened yet, but the skills there and kind of feels like one of those things that it's just the skills there. We're just waiting for this team to execute it. We know the skill is there. We just haven't seen it happen yet. And, uh, but I feel like if one, all of a sudden, like it clicks and then it's just, you know, same thing, like a damn burst. And then all of a sudden it's just, Oh, there we go. There's the team. There's the goal scorers. Cause we're just, we're missing the Silverbergs. We're missing the Raquel's. We're missing the goal scorers. So Friday marks the end of November. He has two goals this month, not been a good showing. He had a goal November 1st and then a goal, the overtime winner on Friday at home against Edmonton. So hopefully we find a way to break open the catch up bottle as Tamil used to say, right? You know, yeah. you just shake it and a little bit comes out, <laughs> then all of a sudden, boom, you just have a ton of goals. That's what we need for McCard Raquel. Or else we're going to be start talking again about trades, which that chant has kind of died down about the call for trades, which I'm kind of surprised on. Mike Babcock came out and said he expects both Austin Matthews and William Nylander back at the team very soon. Whatever that means, who knows? But maybe uh, the you know the much-talked-about wingers off the market. Um, we'll see where that, where that carries out to. And then I guess the last thing, Jay, that I want to get to with you – before we start taking the, uh, the few questions we got, is I haven't heard a whole lot about firing Carlisle lately. Um, do you still think that is very much re- uh, relevant here in Orange County with the Ducks, or do you kind of feel like it's kind of it's faded because of their position uh, in the standings? They're not they're not in the cellar. They're not they're not so yeah. far behind where they have to tank. Yeah, and I just don't know who you br- Quinville. Who you br- <laughs> I don't know who you bring in who changes something. Quinville. I think if you bring in Quinville, I don't think it changes much of the, yes, it does. The, the dynamic of what the Ducks are going to do. 
Uh, I mean, it maybe brings a, a gravitas, some, some weight uh, in there. Is uh, He's, what, the, the third winning or second or third winningest coach in NHL history. So, uh, you know, it might, it might bring him in. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I think it's still there. I think it was very, very heavy when we couldn't pull together a couple of wins. We're somehow somehow getting wins to happen. But once again, you know, yeah, if you look at the stands, you go like, well, you know, it's, it's not that bad. I thought it was really bad, but it's not that bad. But if you watch the games, it's that bad. It's, it's still, in my opinion, uh, not a team that's going to compete anywhere close um, to what is needed um for the the ducks to do even if they get in the playoffs this is not a team that's going to do anything within their division or within their conference there's no way they're going to get to the second round um you you can say it's not the coach's fault it's the player's fault it's the injury's fault uh you can do all of that but uh, you know even though we haven't heard a whole lot more of social media going nuts i think it's just because there's a few wins start putting a couple losses together and i think that that murmur starts getting loud again i think the underlying issues are still there uh the fact that there's inconsistencies from game to game i feel you know that could be players but that could also be the coaching staff not really getting the players ready or um having a game plan ready so who do you have to replace him with uh you know without calling it a rebuild because at this point you're either bringing in someone who has almost no nhl experience or you're bringing in quinville who's not gonna be much of a change i would disagree with you on the quinville part but i will like to say that the ducks offense is the third worst in the league uh 56 goals four in 25 games arizona is 53 and the kings at 46 now, you really think Quinville coming in is going to uh, spark the third-worst offense into uh, fruition? Uh, the, the fact that uh, he got fired from Chicago, which boasts a generational player, I say one, uh, in Kane, and a, uh, a franchise player in Taves. Yes, you're, you're talking could, about guys. Any offense. You're talking about guys, though, that are, are far ahead in their career, right? In that defense, they have so many contracts locked in on that, on that too. That way they can't make those moves. I realize the Ducks have the same-ish situation here. They have a younger defensive core, though, and I feel like there is there is offense in this team. They weren't this anemic last year. So I feel like whatever Randy Carlisle decided to do when he said, we're going to play fast, and if you don't like it, you're not going to play on this team, which, by the way, no one's not played on this team, and there's plenty of players on here uh, that aren't scoring. So whatever Carlisle thinks he's doing – um, that is helping this out. I would love to know because I think he's just full of crap. Uh, and Bob Murray, you know, along the same lines. Like, you want to change what's going on here, and you think that, uh, oh, the Sharks, you know, they're not faster players. They just play faster. What? Uh, what? Okay, so you move the puck around. Your, your shitty players move the puck around. That's great. So your system sucks. It, the players are not the problem here. They were able to perform at a better rate last year. Carlisle's teams are notoriously uh, horrible offensively. So I really think that a change in scenery on the coaching side of things would change the system and would change the culture in the locker room. Bringing in a guy you know that's winning and that has won several times across the board and is well-respected, I think that really would change the scenery in Anaheim a lot. 
I'm not saying it's going to drive him to a cup or it's going to make him this deep playoff run, but it's a start uh, to changing the culture with the with the coaching staff here. And I would much prefer him over Randy Carlisle. Uh, yeah, well, and the fact that he uh, he took a whole bunch of shots with a bunch of uh, Chicago Bears I do love that. fans. <laughs> I feel like like that's a guy Getzlaw could get behind. <laughs> I think it's a guy that everyone here could get behind. I mean, honestly, let's be real about uh, it. We've all... That would definitely be a change in culture. <laughs> exactly. So... However you want to put it. Yeah. <laughs> let's get to the question part of the show. We only have a few. So I think not many people like to stick around for a loss, um, but we did Why? get a couple of people to. that <laughs> a couple of people here that uh, wanted the chat. Let's get to Facebook first. Loading, loading, loading. Come on, internet. <laughs> there we go. So let's start with Nick Webb. He said, "Coming into this game, the Ducks are only about one penalty minute per game less than last year. Do you think this group of players can learn to play a cleaner style of play, or would they be better served to play chippy as in years past?" Um, I guess I'm taking this one first. At this point, I don't think it freaking matters. <laughs> I, 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 it doesn't matter if they try and play a clean game, if they try and uh, you know if they have uh, Nick Ritchie hold out or not. Uh, this team's still somehow going to take uh, quite a bit of penalties, and they're not going to get quite as much uh, power play opportunities versus the teams they play against. Uh, I feel like this has always kind of been the the mo for the the Ducks since they won the cup and they took the the most fighting majors i i I know they took the most fighting majors i don't know if they took the most penalties when they won the cup and they were the first team to do that since the broad street bullies in philly in the 80s uh but ever since that's happened that's just kind of been the stigma for the ducks and so at this point uh yeah the nhl has changed it's not so much uh hitting and grinding and being nasty uh but i feel Unfortunately, the Ducks are kind of built for that net front presence, and that's what I, I miss more, that they just don't have that rather than, uh, you know, them. I, I, I don't think a skill game at this point is going to matter much to them. I think they do need to be grittier. They need to just uh, accept that identity a little bit and realize, listen, this is the way we're going to have to play, and we're going to have to get in front of the net. We're going to have to take – uh, penalties here and there, but even if we don't, we'll end up taking penalties anyways because we're just not quite that that skilled, quick, fast team that's going to keep up with a lot of the other more refined, quick, skilled teams. Yeah, I think at this point it doesn't really matter if they decide to change how they play either. I mean, staying out of the box is always helpful. I mean, case in point tonight, uh, taking two dumb penalties and, and it costs you two power play goals. So I think the, I think every team could always afford to take less penalties, and every coach would tell you they would hope so. But this team overall, they're never going to go back to that big, scary Ducks team that you saw in the Cup 11 years ago. It's just not going to be that way. No, uh, that, that, that play doesn't exist anymore. It's just not the same anymore. Uh, David Rodriguez, uh, former co-host of the show, uh, guest spotted in for us here. He oh, has a question. Why, this, is, this is great. Uh, his question is, <laughs> Why the F were the lines all mixed up to start the game again? Swapped Kasha for Silverberg and then ultimately swapped Raquel for Richie. Auberg on the fourth line. What the F? And why can't anyone else see that Cogliano belongs on the fourth line? He sucks. F, 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 F. <laughs> uh, not a happy camper, clearly. No, but Dave. very articulate. Very much so. Um, 
We've been talking about this. Remember when everyone used to give Bruce Boudreaux the hard time for having the line blender? Oh, there he is. Bruce yeah, doing the line blender again. Never know who's going to play where. He's, look, he's rolling all four lines. Well, I mean, welcome to Randy Carlisle's Ducks in 2018. He does the same thing. He can't figure out what's working on the offense. He blends everybody together and tries to figure it out. Nobody likes it. Um, one thing works one game. It doesn't work the next game for 10 shifts, so he changes the whole lineup again. I don't know what's going on with this coaching staff. It's it's just another reason for me to not like Randy Carlisle. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the one thing about Boudreaux is that he, he could shoot from the hips. He he got a feel for the players. He got a feel for who was who was hot, and then if you know someone was hot, he would throw him on the line with Getzlaff. It's pretty easy to do. Um, Carlisle has a little bit less of a grasp on exactly who's hot or, or what line is, is going to be good. Cause I've seen the fourth line be the best line and I've, you know, it doesn't really matter. And you know, I would rather see if that line is just flying, put them out more, give them more minutes, but it's just almost this strict thing where he goes right back to his little notepad with a little, uh, mechanical pencil and starts writing in eh, they, they played enough minutes already so i don't want to play them as much anymore uh I, i'm not sure why he's changing around other than he's just pulling at straws he used to be the matchup coach where it was these set lines this these this line will do well against that line and they're good and now it's like well that line that line's not working so red hot so i'm gonna pick one guy put him somewhere else and bring somebody else in and see if that works Oh, that didn't work. Well, I'll get this guy and I'll put him over here. Oh, that didn't work. But damn it. <laughs> Just constantly lost. grabbing at something. Damn it, we lost. <laughs> How did that happen? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. We had someone in chat pop in. Shock comes on and says, Which other young players besides Troy Terry could you see, uh, could see themselves up in, again this year in Anaheim? Oh, boy. I think Sam Steele would be one. Troy Terry would be another, but um, honestly, he said other than Troy Terry. right? But it's hard to go past that. He's he's the the, the most potent offensive much. guy. So when you're when you're talking about who's going to be able to come up and do some damage up here, um, I think Troy Terry would be obviously the number one pick when you're talking about a guy that needs to you know pick up this team offensively. But I would really like to see Max Jones. I would love to see yes. the big tough kid come up to Anaheim and cause some problems. Um, and get a chance up here with the big club. Honestly, he's, he had that horrible, unfortunate injury in training camp and wasn't able to uh, to make the team out of the gate. So I'd love to see Max Jones get a chance. Yeah, absolutely. And he, uh, you know, we did uh, an interview with him, um, me and Eddie earlier on. And uh, one of the, the things that you know, talking to him is that uh, he kind of, from what I gather, he kind of models his game after kind of a Ryan Kessler, but with a little bit more speed. So, I mean, you're going to get a guy that uh, is willing to to be a little bit more combative, be a little bit more, you know, in your face, hard hitting, but also has speed and skill that can hopefully be there. But once again, I just I don't want to rush too many young players in and then say, listen, we're in trouble need you up here quick i mean save our season you know we're we're, we're drawing you know we're running out of options here we need we need somebody do something help us uh, you know i just don't want to put that on a, a young player trying to come in and then all of a sudden it, it doesn't pan out and then all of a sudden they go back to the minors then they're confused about if they did well or how they need to change their game that sort of deal but 
if there was one other than Sam Steele, who we've seen, and Troy Terry, who we've seen this year, it might be giving Max Jones his first try as far as forwards go. Other than that, defense is kind of, we've seen a lot of young players from the, the minors come up and play to help us out. So, you know, I don't think there, I don't think he's asking, Hey, what defenseman do you think should come up? I think it's more of a forward. So Max Jones, I guess would be the only other one. Uh, yeah. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's back to Drummondville. So he's no longer an option. Um, Jones is six foot three, 220 pounds. He's a big boy. Just he, he's 20 years old. He'll be 21 here coming up in February. So he has plenty of time to marinate in the NHL. Um, he's got eight points in 12 games this season for the goals. So he's not playing terrible. He's having a pretty good year. So uh, yeah, I'd like to see him uh, get more time in the AHL and uh, gain more confidence and come around. But I'm again, I wouldn't mind seeing him a couple games here and there up with the, the big club just to see what he can do uh, and give him a taste of the NHL. Yeah. yeah um, I, I don't think that's hor- a horrible uh, thought. You know, I just, I hate for them to go, Oh yeah. Hey, they'll give you 10 games and then, uh, you know, burn off that first year and then put you back in the minors right so we have katie ray or uh, yeah i think it's kate ray actually four from instagram says what do you guys think about the new kessler line with cogliano and sherwood i gotta say i liked it um i love the speed of sherwood and they put up a lot of scoring chances tonight um they weren't ultra dangerous but they were definitely visible to me on tv yeah, Sherwood has been a very fun surprise for me, too. Uh, you know, it, it almost doesn't even matter. Even if he plays on the fourth line, I'm always impressed. It's it's one of those guys that he'll he'll chip it in, but then he, he actually gets the puck. <laughs> like, he does that, and I've seen so many Ducks players where it's a... Oh, he's it's tenacious. At, yeah, exactly. He's, he's on the puck. He, he doesn't... He's relentless. He doesn't, you know, give up, and that's... That's fun to watch. I see that in Kasha, too, where it's like even if he has to chip it in, uh, he'll be the, the first guy who's in there trying to, you know, disrupt the, the outlet to try and create a turnover. So I love what Sherwood brings. Um, you know, he's getting the, the opportunities for sure, and I like him being higher up. I think he's good in the fourth line. I think he's good in the second line. Uh, he's got that speed and kind of, yeah, like you said, that that – you know that uh, that junkyard dog, where it's just I'm just hounding the puck, and I got to find the puck. I got to get the puck to the net. I got to go to the net. Where's the puck now? I got to go get it. And and you you can kind of respect that and enjoy that a lot more when uh, someone's that hard on the puck, and you can see their their effort in it. Oh, the amount of skating that guy requires in his game is is obscene. For sure, yes. it makes me tired watching him play. <laughs> I mean, he's Man, he's he's just relentless. <laughs> And then we got two questions left. Let's get through these. We're about to hit about an hour here. Tom Walsh on Facebook says, "Why do we have such a hard time with the Nashville Predators? It seems like we can't get over them now for the next, or for like the last three to four years." Um, honestly, Tom, it's because they're. I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but this team is just really good. I mean, Pekarene yeah. with the Vesna, uh, they went deep um, for several seasons now in the playoffs. Uh, they they went to the Stanley Cup final, didn't win it, obviously, but. Uh, this team is is unbelievable. They're yeah. unbelievable. They're a built team, and they're built uh, from their 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 goaltending has been outstanding. It's uh, kind of been built up on their defense. I mean, before they even added uh, Subban, I mean, they still had you know uh, uh, Shea Weber on there. I mean, they they have a solid 
four defensemen and the bottom two maybe play 10 minutes. Other than that, you got 50 minutes of uh, regular, uh, you know, regulation game where you're playing against four elite defensemen. I mean, or, you know, top, top end defensemen. Subban wasn't and even it, in tonight either, right? Hey, I know. Yeah, he's been <laughs> in there forever. This team still just, it, it just seems to replace it. And it's just a, a testament to how good they are defensively, how well they are coached. Uh, you can say, you know, over the last three or four years, that's ever since Peter Laviolette kind of came in onto the scene and really kind of made this team more defensive. And all of a sudden you're seeing a 35-year-old Vesna winning uh, goalie and, uh, you know, he's got another chance at that. And then the fact that they ended up stealing uh, Forsberg away from, I think it was Washington. I mean, that guy's only 24 years old. He's putting up 30 goals the last two years. They got Johansson, uh, you know, Arvidsson. He's injured. He wasn't even playing today. I mean, that team, that team is good. They're just good. And sometimes you got to just tip your cap to they have better players. So the Ducks are, you know, they, they got to find a way to win. They got to hope to win. Uh, you know, but the NHL, every every team in the NHL is trying to do that against them as well because they're just a good team. You just got to hope things kind of go your way and that your players outplay them. And uh, it's not an easy task, but, you know, that's why you're, you're not going to win too many more than you are going to lose against them. So the final comment of the night, not a question. Zach Gray, who also guessed, uh, did a guest spot on our show last week, says... He's so good. I always feel so bad when people come on and guest host. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a question, guys, but I, job, I but the thing that needs to be addressed is stop making excuses. Ducks fans during the game are hilarious, saying, oh, this team is dirty and the refs are against us. Let's not talk about the obvious <laughs> questions like getting outshot, taking five penalties against one of the best teams in the league. Our team sucks. God, I'm so sick of Ducks fans making excuses for this team. A little harsh, probably a little frustrated. I mean, we all know he does his uh, he does his own fan reaction videos on YouTube. If you haven't checked him out, go check him out. He's great. Um, Are you even positive? He is. You no, know, he, he definitely has positive parts okay. of his videos, one hundred percent. But uh, this, I don't think the Ducks suck. They do have two glaring holes in their roster right now, and that's that can be an excuse that can be made over and over again. The rest, you know, from the beginning of the season on, I get it. But um, to me, I just my finger just always wants to point back to the bastard behind the bench. Coach, it's, yep, it's the coach. Yep, uh, it's fire yep. Carlisle. It's fix this system. <laughs> Prove me wrong. I, I want to see the system change. And if they still if they if they still play terrible and they still suck, cool. Then I guess the team is just not built correctly, and they have a lot of overhauling to do. But there's too many good players on this team that were good last year that are just a not clicking this year, which happens. Or B, the system's broken. And I'm going to lean towards the system because uh, uh, Ricard Raquel didn't all of a sudden forget how to score goals. Uh, yeah. I'm caught in between both uh, trains of thought where this team is just they're, – they're not up to what the new NHL is going to require them to be, to be successful. Um, and at the same point, I, I see what Getzloff does, and he's not your traditional you know, player now that's – that's scoring a whole bunch of points, but he still ends up doing it. So, I mean, he, he doesn't have a whole, you know, a ton of speed, but he's still able to just dictate play just in his own right. And it's kind of an old school uh, ability uh, to do that at this point. So the team has skill. They're not that far out of it. It's just not clicking. And, you know, it's tough. And you can, you can point to a couple of different reasons that could be coaching the system that's happening or the players not executing it it's almost kind of comes ends ends up coming down to 
well, you know, is it the, the chicken or the egg that comes first? You know, which is worse? Is, is the, the system there and the players just aren't executing because I see too many passes going into feet and then lost and they're just behind a player or someone's just that late to picking up a guy? Or is it that, hey, that person was put in a bad spot to begin with because that's what they were told to do and how they're supposed to execute their play? So it's rough for me to to say one way or the other if this team just sucks all the way. I think they're far away from being a Stanley Cup contender. They should be in the playoff mix, uh, but they don't look like it right now. Uh, I think their skill puts them there, but until they actually do it, it's hard to kind of, you know, get behind them and go, rah, rah, we're a team that can, you know, get in and, you know, create some noise, you know, if we get in the playoffs. I feel well, like at this point they're just – they're they're there, and if they start executing in the second half, which they tend to do sometimes, then maybe we'll look at it. But I think come playoff time and everything kind of hunkers down and all your, your inconsistencies and your little faults that were maybe – you know, not so big in the regular season, they come out to play in the playoffs. And that's why they got swept last year too. Okay, man. But I mean, anyone who's saying that gets off slow, has he ever been fast? He's never been fast. Has never been his game. That's not what he does. He controls the play. The guy has almost as many points as Joe Thornton, as uh, CJ from Anaheim calling put up on Twitter today. He put up a whole thing, a whole set of tweets where people are talking about Ryan Getzloff and everyone talks about Jumbo Joe's as part of his tweet that he's an instant hall of famer. And no one looks at Getzloff and says that. Yeah, Getzloff plays a very similar game. He's almost there points-wise. He's got a Stanley Cup. He's got gold medals. This is a great player. He's not past the point of being able to be effective. He leads the team in points with 17 points in 25 games. So it's not his fault. And that's why I'm talking about when you look at the system that's being played here, the Fords look lost at times. They lead the defense out to dry. Um this this forward group needs to figure it out. And I, I, that's why I always point it back to the system and the coaching style. I, I really feel that Randy Carlisle's past his point of being effective as a coach in this league. And that's where this all circles back to hashtag fire Carlisle. That's what I want to end the show with here. If you got anything else to add, sir, let me know. But if not, um, we could wrap it up here. Fire Carlisle. There you oh, go. Sorry. <laughs> That is, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah, no, um, I, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Just something does have to change, and they can't change a whole lot of players. So, I mean, at this point, what do you have to lose from firing Carlisle? Um, I don't know if firing him is going to change the season. It's just going to change the coach. I don't know. We'll see. They need to all figure right. it out. He's on the last year of his deal, so I, the fact that they would fire him, I don't even think they're going to do it at this point. I thought he'd be gone be around Ooh. this time. So. All right. What, so what do you think? Do you think by January 5th, do you think uh, Kyle is still a coach for the Ducks? Um, if the Ducks lose, what are we looking at here schedule-wise? Let me take a look. A lot. They got Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, this is their road trip. And they, they started off with a horrible one. So they got four more on the road. I would say if they lose three of the next four, he's probably gone. If they blow this whole road trip. Them way out, huh? If they lose the next four games on the road, and these are good teams they're going to play, by the way, Tampa, Florida, and Carolina, and then Washington. Washington yeah. If they blow those four games and come home, I think we might have a new coach, like you said, uh, by December 5th. I do. Uh, I said he'd be fired around Thanksgiving time, so I still could be right by like six days. <laughs> no, you're wrong. <laughs> could be seven <laughs> days. 
So I said around Thanksgiving, sir. Uh, Whatever. You guys know where to find us, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Forever Mighty Post Game or Forever Mighty FM, Forever Mighty Podcast. Look us up. You'll find us there. Check us out on Patreon. We got our bonus shows coming up this week. We, were, we had to stack them all together this week for you guys. But uh, those of you guys who are signed up for Patreon are going to get three shows this week as uh, your subscribers. And I've heard back from uh, the people doing the bottle openers. They're going to be made this week and shipped out shortly. So thank you to those who are doing the, con- the contributions there. You'll see them early December. That is confirmed. You'll have them before Christmas. That's what I'm Just told. in time. So just in time to crack open your <laughs> new bottle or whatever you bought for the holidays, you'll be able to use our puck opener. But uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you haven't seen us on YouTube tonight, well, it's because we're not there. Um, but please go and subscribe there. We usually do a YouTube stream every single night. Eddie's the guy who runs the studio, so we are unfortunately without that today. But we'll be back with that on Tuesday as the Ducks take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. So subscribe. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you then. Cool, uh, cool oh, hockey. Oh, you want to bring up cool hockey? Here we go. We forgot to do the Forever Mighty 3M stars, right? We, Eddie always brings this up because he does it. The Forever Mighty yeah. FM stuff for, for the three stars. We appreciate everyone uh, doing that. This is the last week for November, so your chance to win a jersey. If you haven't already been participating, super simple. Uh, we throw up a tweet every single game with three different uh, categories you got to pick into. You get points. We put up a leaderboard. Eddie does it as much as he possibly can. Uh, there's a ton of people that are involved, so God bless him. But uh, I'm sure you'll have an updated board here in the next couple of days. But your chances to win um, a brand Free new spanking jersey, whatever you want on it, which is amazing. Yeah. Cool Hockey does ridiculous work. They're legit jerseys. Go check them out. Uh, cool Hockey and order your jersey there. Get somebody a, a gift for Christmas. And, uh, you know, hey, if you're going to win one, you might as well buy one for somebody else. So go check them out and uh, pick up your jersey. And have a yeah, good night, use, everybody. Use uh, the code uh, FM20 oh. to save 20% off. There you go. I'm so anxious to, like, <laughs> get off this losing show, my friend. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll hug you. I'll hug you tonight. I'm just kidding. I love you, buddy. Hey, everybody, right. thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Bye, guys.